All right, welcome back into the damn podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080, the fan, Angie Machado, beaverblitz.com. Back again, and it's conference playtime. Conference play. But before we get into this, I need to uh, give a quick shout out. I I guess we kind of have our first little sponsor here. I need to say a huge thank you to Scott Santana of, of Santana Insurance Agency down in Salem. He stepped up to the plate, Brandon, so that we could go on the SoundCloud Pro. Mm-hmm. So all of our listeners can go to SoundCloud now. They We have a page. It'll be archived. And also help us get onto I, or iTunes. iTunes, absolutely. So shout out shout out to him. That is fantastic. It's awesome. Somebody so stepped up. If you need insurance needs, he's awesome. He, you know, Call him up, get a quote. Um, again, Scott Santana, Santana Insurance in Kaiser. There you so, go. Fantastic. Awesome Beaver fan. Go look up Scott. That is fantastic. Thank you, Scott, very much. Uh, we really do appreciate the help. Uh, again, it's soundcloud.com, and you guys are probably seeing this if you're listening to it anyway, but soundcloud.com backslash damn-podcast is our official landing spot. I have submitted to iTunes. Things are a little different this time. I know I've been saying this, but iTunes says I successfully- I think you messed it up. I think you messed it up the first time. I did screw it up the first time. There was a lot of confusion and but iTunes said they received it. Uh, we are waiting word of them officially giving us an iTunes page. I know a lot of people want to subscribe. It's a lot easier for people with the I- with the Apple products and everything. But uh, just hang with us. We appreciate all the listens, everything that we've got, all the interaction. But uh, thank you to Scott once again. I yeah. think that's a really cool move was, by it him. It was awesome. Uh, Pac-12 plays here. Pac-12. I really don't want to talk about San Jose State much. Second half, they just absolutely... Show the difference between a Pac-12 team and a Mountain West team. So here's one thing, though. This is what I noticed at halftime. Okay. Okay, San Jose State goes in with the lead. Yep. A couple years ago, I would have been a little nervous. I was not nervous. You weren't nervous? No. See, I was nervous not because of the coaching staff, but because of how anemic the offense has been. And so I was thinking, man, if they can't stop San Jose State, and look, part of that was was the offense really kind of screwing it up and putting their defense in bad positions. I was just nervous the offense wasn't going to get it going, but yeah, I kind of hear what you're saying though. Coaching wise, I mean, there was, there's something to that. Yeah. No, it was, and that safety blitz, I've, I've said it like on Beaver Blitz, mm-hmm. that was awesome. Yeah. When uh, Justin Strong came in third quarter, it was part of that four minute span where the Beaver scored 21 points, but I'm a big fan of safety blitz. Who would you say, uh, as we kick off Pac-12 play, Oregon State takes on Stanford on Friday at 7 p.m.? Who would you say, if you could name four players that have stuck out to you defensively, I'm curious if we come up with the same four names. Oh, I bet we do. Go. Go. I'm going with Manasseh Hangalu. Okay. Rommel Manyeo. Justin Strong. Mm-hmm. And I'm... You're not naming a name that I'm... Kyle gonna... Pecco. Kyle Pecco. Pecco has lived up to the billing. Yeah. Uh, maybe not Who getting... did I miss? I'm missing Well, I was someone. thinking Salo. Oh, yeah, Caleb yeah. That was good, too. Salo? Yeah, Caleb Salo. Thank God I said it right. I, <laughs> again, I'm just terrible. I'm not I mean, very good at this. Rommel Menyeo probably could be my MVP for the first three games. I wouldn't disagree with that whatsoever. He he is an early candidate. Remember, we got that question of people, young players yeah, who yeah. are NFL. He's kind of looking every bit of a player that if he grows a little more in terms of bulking, and he's already big, continues to play the way he's playing, NFL candidate to me. Oh. Yeah, he's aggressive. He's fast. Yep. So no, I like I said, three weeks in a row, I think I would have him almost as my MVP. Hard to argue with that point. Um, so who else would you have as your, as your four? Was it? Was I just those were you, oh, those okay. were your four? Except for mine would have been Caleb uh, Solo. Solo. Yeah, okay. I would have put instead of Pecco. Yeah, but okay. Pecco. I mean, if you're doing four, Pecco's right on the verge. It's like one one B. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's right there. Uh, I do want to quickly set up this before we talk about 
Oregon State and what they've done thus far three weeks in. We're going to have Andy Drukarev of Stanford Rivals. At Stanford Rivals is the Twitter handle. You can go to a, their information is a cardinalsportsreport.com. We'll have him join us on the podcast today as well. Uh, see kind of the field down there in the Bay Area. Kevin Hogan's a big question mark. The offense, where the hell did that come from against USC? And defensively, are they back to kind of being a Stanford defense or are they still lacking in certain areas where traditionally they have? So we'll talk about that with Andy Drukarev. Uh, real quick, three weeks in, what have kind of been your impressions overall of Oregon State? I love the defense. I love that fast, aggressive defense. Offense needs to find some consistency. And I, I know it's a young, you know, a quarterback. I do think that the uh, offensive line looked better this past week. Mm-hmm. So I will give them credit for that. And Storm Woods. I mean, I haven't seen Storm run that well since his freshman year. So um, still some work, but it's, it's a work in progress. And I, I think Beaver fans have to be happy that at least we're seeing progress. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And the offensive line was, it's encouraging. Remember, mm-hmm. that's something me and you had talked about uh, going into the year is like, as a strength. big strength. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of been a little inconsistent and disappointing, I'd say. But you're right, in that game, especially that second half, they kind of came out and Storm Woods looked like a man possessed. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not like we've bad-mouthed him, but we were talking about Chris Brown and him and the running styles. He wasn't dancing. He no. was hitting the holes, running people over, not ref- you know, refusing to go down. It was nice to see that Storm yeah. Bars Woods again. It was. And, you know, as much good that you can say about Seth Collins, he still scares me the way he holds the ball. He <laughs> yeah. still scares me that he doesn't slide. He I mean, doesn't tuck very well. He, it's kinda... he likes to just hit a guy head yeah. on. And, and uh, some of his throws where he'll, he'll make that be like a beautiful throw to Justin or uh, Jordan Villeman, then he'll throw a line drive bullet, you know, mm-hmm. that, that is uncatchable. So, I mean, he's young. He's yeah. got to work on the touch. But uh, overall, I think it, it's going better. And, and a defense like that can keep you in, in games that uh, as long as the offense can sustain some drives when i think uh too with with seth collins that's something you kind of expect though to you know where it's like yes there's absolutely things he needs to work on but you also come to expect the inconsistencies especially with a true freshman well, like we talked about and, early remember brandon we were talking about how this kid's gonna have some plays that have the crowd saying oh my god yeah he just did that yeah awesome and the same like two plays later oh my god what did he just do how is he a quarterback yeah, yeah. how is yeah. that so physically that's possible? just part part of the part of the deal but i have liked i like the maturity there in the second half it would have been easy for a lot of freshmen in that situation being down at home san jose state uh doing what they need to do to put their offense in better positions defensively it would have been easy for a freshman to be a little rattled i have liked the confidence yes. and just kind of the maturity factor in that department with him storm storm bars woods has referenced that time and time again he's the most mature freshman i've ever met but we kind of are seeing that we're getting that mm-hmm. feel that even when he struggles, he's not losing confidence in himself to go out there and try to make the better play the next time. And so confident. I mean, that's they, they all talk about the players talk about what a confident leader he is mm-hmm. and that he's cool and he's calm. And I mean, that's huge, you know, for, the, for especially a young team. Yeah, it is. And uh, three games in evaluating Oregon State, they're going in to Pac-12 play the conference. I don't really know what to make of the conference at this point. Arizona State, eh, they don't look like Arizona State. Arizona kind of laying in the weeds. UCLA looks good, but they just lost Miles Jack, and they have a true freshman. Oregon, they haven't looked that. I mean, their defense is yeah. Super Oregon's suspect. defense looks very suspect. In fact, I, we were talking about this on our show on 1080. We were talking about the Utah Oregon game. Obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, "Well, the Cal, the Cal Oregon game is what I'm looking forward to because that Cal passing game against that weak secondary." It's just the, the teams that we thought were going to be dominant and 
no questions asked. They've been very shaky. This conference seems a little weird. And the it opponent is. that Oregon State goes against this week. That's weird. I mean, I, I they're picked, a weird team. I thought USC was like, hands down, going to, you know, kind of run all over people. And then you have a Stanford team that goes and loses at Northwestern week mm-hmm. one and then comes in and beats USC on their home turf. I, strange, 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 strange start to the season. You know what's good about that, though, too, is when you get a couple weeks in, you get some perspective on some things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember where I was at watching Stanford lose to Northwestern. And I remember I left right before the game ended, and I kind of laughed. I'm like, I can't believe that just happened. Here comes Stanford. They're falling down, right? Two weeks later, you're three weeks into the season now. Northwestern's 3-0. and And yeah. I'm not saying that Northwestern is a top 25 juggernaut. But Northwestern, to me, with Fitzgerald there as their head coach, very respectable defense. I believe they're top. 26-ish, I want to say. So they got a really good defense. And that's in the country. That's not, you know, obviously not the Big Ten. But you're talking about a Northwestern team that might finish with seven or eight wins. And if you lose to an eight-win team, I don't think there's any shame in that. So what happened in week one, we look at it and we go, what the heck is going on? A couple weeks later, you get perspective and you're like, maybe Northwestern's better than we thought. I I just don't think Stanford, though, is the Stanford that, and I'm not saying they're not good, but I don't know if they're quite the same Stanford that we saw in 2012, mm-hmm. 2013, When 14. they were winning the Pac-12 or competing and yeah. getting really close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another interesting part this week, because we're actually going to answer a couple damn questions, but what we're going to do big time in damn questions this week is we're going to hit some recruiting nuggets. Angie has some beautiful stories to share with Beaver fans. Beaver fans that are looking at recruiting and what Gary Anderson and the coaching staff, what they're doing on the recruiting trail. There's some really juicy nuggets, and we're going to have to talk about that. We do. She shared them with me before we started recording, and uh, I'm just glad that the listeners are going to get to hear some of this stuff. I got all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Stanford a little bit. They beat SC. Yeah. Kevin Hogan's pretty much limping the entire game. Yeah. See, I missed that game because obviously oh, you... it was the same time as Oregon State, so I missed See, here was the beauty of me staying home. There were four games, and this is becoming a problem for me with college football. There needs to be a red zone channel. Yes, they need to have red zone for college. Four games, four different channels, USC, Stanford, Bama, Ole Miss, Oregon State, San Jose State, and um, I forget who the other game was, but there were four, three or four games going on, and I'm just like trying to deter, okay, Oregon State's up. Okay, Oregon State's up big. I can turn it now. You know, trying to go back and forth. What I watched from that Stanford-SC game was mainly the second half and Stanford looking like the Stanford of old the way okay. they ran the ball. But Kevin Hogan has a bum foot. Yeah. There's a lot of speculation if he's going to play and what that means and for And we keep Stanford. hearing that he's not. We've heard from several pretty good sources that several people. he probably will not go. So this is my, my take on this. I've, I've got a couple takes, but first, who's beaten Stanford the past couple years? Um, Think about a good defense over maybe in the Rocky Mountains. Kalani Sataki in the Utah Utah, Utes. yeah, that's a good point. Kalani has that formula, I guess, mm-hmm. of what it's going to take. Bigger than that, though, is the fact that you have a gimpy Kevin Hogan, if he does play, or you have two inexperienced, a redshirt sophomore in Ryan Burns or redshirt freshman in Keller Chris, who have no game experience. Either of those three scenarios, I blitz like crazy if I'm Sataki yeah. and just totally put them on their heels early. You know what I've been surprised about? Not that the defense has been good, that they've been this good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're I mean, number two, two right in, now in total defense in yeah, the conference. Yeah. It's, it's, um, why am I forgetting who number one was? But it's Oregon State two, Stanford is three right now. Yeah. Granted, you're three weeks in and they face San Jose State and Weber State, but 
I mean, early on they for a young team, Michigan too. So absolutely, and they yeah. they their backs against a wall defensively against Michigan because their offense couldn't do anything. And, and this is a team that's replacing all their linebackers. We're gonna say it's replaced all of their linebackers and three of the four of the secondary. Yeah, which is never an easy ask, no. especially for young guys to step in. A transfer kid in Deku coming mm-hmm. in and picking up the system. I like where where you're going, kind of with that with Kalani Sitaki having success against Stanford. There is something to some coaches. For whatever reason, style plays into their hand. Yeah. I mean, just like Coach Riley and Coach Banker had success against the pro style team. Yeah. I think you, you know, know what to look for. You know what to look senses. for. Sataki, you know, obviously he likes the big physical games. Mm-hmm. Now, the D line matchup is going to be interesting because Stanford's O line is good. I mean, probably one of the best O lines that Oregon State will face this year. But uh, I just, I, I love the creativity that we see out of the Oregon State defense right now. Mm-hmm. The different blitzing packages, the, you know, the, the DB blitzes, um, you know, backing off. I mean, we've seen lots of movement. It's, I don't know. I've, I've always kind of liked defense. So, What would you say going into this game Friday? Because we're also going to talk about the game a little more as well. But of the three games that have happened, the three games that have happened this year with Oregon State, what do you say they need to work on the most? Offensive consistency. Offensive consistency. Yeah. Just, I mean, sustaining some drives mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the three and out. I mean, I, don't, I guess it could be argued that San Jose State, they didn't really have that many problems. They, sh- they shot themselves in the foot, but mm-hmm. um, just sustaining drives is where I, I see this offense needing to, to keep working. Third downs, and it kind of plays into that same thing for me. Third downs are the one I circle the most. Yeah. And again, that just goes into what you're saying of consistency and sustaining. Dave Baldwin referenced that this week at practice multiple times. Third down is the key. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has their keys to the game and they want to say, yeah. oh, it's this guy and it's this matchup. It's really just third downs for me for Oregon State yeah. because we saw with SC, SC has a good defense to me. I do think they got some stout guys up there. Of course, there are a ton of four or five star type talents, but you get, it's, it's you wear down, you break. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, your offense doesn't move the ball and keep you off the field. You're going to tire out. Beaver fan knows that from the Michigan game. They need to pick up some third downs in this yeah, thing. You yeah. need to put some even pressure they, on that Stanford defense. Even if they're not scoring every time, they can't have three and out. No, that, I mean, no. A, a physical team like Stanford, I mean, I, I think the game plan going in, Stanford's going to immediately try to stop the run. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be loading the box. Oregon State's going to be doing the same thing because Stanford's going to try to just power you know, the power run right over the top of us. Yeah. So um, that's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be fun to watch that matchup. But again, we're going to talk about that as well on the podcast a little more. Um, let's do, do you want to do damn questions do or you want to go to questions. Andy? Okay, we're going to do damn questions right now. Let's get to some damn questions. Okay. I've got a couple here and I, a couple of them re- revolve around recruiting. So I'm going to kind of, actually, you know what, we're going to start with, um, gonna, I have a different one we're going to start with before we go there. Okay, I got a couple too. Okay. So on Beaver Blitz this week, Peter71 actually brought up a, a good question and he said, three games in, Name a random player that you didn't expect to do anything great, but has really impressed you. Damn it, man. That's a hard question. But when I tell you who, who he named and who would be top of my list, okay. you'll, you'll kick yourself. Who's a guy I didn't expect anything wrong that has made an impression? Devin Chappelle. Devin Chappelle has been huge for them. Walk on DB. Yeah. And, I mean, he's been on some tackles. Yep. Doing some, and, and then probably Ricky Ortiz is the other one. Move to linebacker. Yeah, I like that move, by the way. That I linebacker move for Ortiz. Hey, he got the pick. He got the pick. Yeah, first game playing linebacker. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. So that was from Peter71 posted on Blitz, but that was from 
And it's he, 15. Who did he say? It was Seven Chappelle is who. Okay, he, he went Chappelle yeah, too? Yeah, he went Chappelle. Okay. But good, you know. Hard to argue with that one. Yeah. You know, another one for me, it's, it's, I expected an impact, but I've been surprised by how good he's been. Deku. Yes, now, good, good point. Now, if people remember Steven Nelson his first year, he probably took five or six games to kind of get accustomed. Yeah. Remember that uh, Eastern Washington game? Yeah. He got oh, lit he got up lit in that up. game. He looked like he was lost. Yeah. I kind of thought Deku was going to go through the same yeah. stuff. No, he, you're right. He's, he's been aggressive. He's been he's, yeah, yeah, he's played really well. Yeah. Opposite Larry Scott. I've liked that too. Yeah, There's it. been a lot of guys I've liked on this yeah. team. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you want to go another one or do you want me? You go for it. Okay, we got this one from PD86P. A lot has been written regarding the visits from... Oh, that's a recruiting one. Maybe I should read these before I actually read them out loud. Uh, let me get this one. Uh, yep, you know what? I just got recruiting questions. You got recruiting questions. I didn't look at all of them until right now, so I feel like an idiot. Um, well, you know, let's just talk recruiting. I mean, I'm going to... got a lot of people asking about recruiting right now. got a ton of people right re- asking about it. Um, so I'm, to give you guys a quick shout out here, um, the Beaver Believer has a question. Um, I know Brandon has a couple here. So instead of just... We're going to lump them a little bit together because I've had a lot of questions about official visits and what's going on. Got a couple of those as well. Um, so last week, Oregon State, for that San Jose State game, Oregon State had four official visitors, including two four-stars. Uh, I think we talked about last week, they, you know, a, a DB, two DBs, um, and Sherrod Thompson and Christian, Christian Wallace. Yeah. Both those guys, we've touched base with those. Sherrod Thompson, actually, interesting enough, his cousin is Xavier Crawford, uh, freshman DB on the team Nice as to well. have a connection there. From Pittsburgh, California. <laughs> yeah. So Ken Simonton is, is a familiar name yep. for him as well. Um, he raved about his trip. He said he loved everything from the time he got off the plane to being on campus. I could see him really, you know, embracing Oregon State. I could actually see him committing down the road here. He has not yet. Uh, Christian Wallace out of Texas also now has Oregon State at the top of his list. He also has four other visits to take. Jeez. So, four um, stars are, I mean, that's. Yeah, four stars right yeah. out of the gate. Um, and then two um, commits in Artavis Pierce and Joa Robinette. I, I spoke with Joa already, loved everything. He said it totally just concreted everything about mm-hmm. Oregon State. He came in and measured 6'8", 225. Wow. Defensive end. He's huge. That's a um, big Arizona kid. has come in on him, offered him, but he let them know he's not interested. Uh, he is solid with Oregon State. That's awesome. And so um, he said most of his, his recruitment has just gone down you know has stopped because he's made it clear that oregon state is where he will be yeah so you know that's last weekend this weekend they're bringing a couple players markel simmons is a juco safety out of a pima community a three-star and then also tyreek tisdale is an athlete out of florida who's actually committed to the gators he's flying in as well so, uh, so look at Lockett, huh? Yeah, Telly Lockett is like going to town what do you what does he kind of do like where where he's an athlete but i could see him he's a florida kid I no, could, I mean, but like oh. uh, when you say athlete, I mean, what's he predominantly playing in high Running school back. now? Running, Running back. back. Okay. Yeah. So a uh, big kid, 200 pound um, and, you know, kind of handpicked by Telly. So it'll be interesting to see here. But the other questions now we've had kind of surrounding recruiting now that you've heard who's coming and who's been here is just philosophy. So, you know, both coaches are selling that um, family atmosphere, whereas Coach Riley, though, years ago went away from wanting guys to come in for game weekends. He said it took away from them getting to spend time with the recruit. Because they, you know, spent the night at a hotel the night before, do the beaver ride, the beaver walk mm-hmm. game, and it took away a lot of the time. Later in Coach Riley's tenure, before he left to go to Nebraska, that changed somewhat. He was bringing some guys in. I mean, what better way to show a guy campus than in the fall when it's pretty? That you know, campus is alive and busy and bustling. Both campus and women, yes. Yes. <laughs> there you go. 
Um, and so uh, that he started to bring some guys in during mm-hmm. the season. Coach Anderson's philosophy is really to get them in. But what they did, and I love this. This is such a genius move on his part. Because this is what people are asking. Yeah, people this are is what asking. we got a lot this on, is the on the questions. Big, big difference What's the here difference? Is that now, you know, five o'clock game, seven o'clock game, they're able to fly guys in. They flew these guys in for San Jose State Saturday morning. They picked them up, brought them down to the game. So then they hung out before the game, got to, you know, cruise around the golf cart, see the tailgates, have their pre meal. Yeah. See the beaver walk, sit in the stands, halftime, post game, hang out with the team. They, they do their hanging out with the team, their host. Saturday night, Sunday then is spent hanging out with the players, meeting with the coaches, watching film, doing the whole football thing, meeting with academic yeah. advisors, and they fly them out Monday morning. So, so you, okay. So first of all, I got a question. I kind of see what Riley was talking about. And like, again, this is me questioning Mike Riley. I'm an idiot. It doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't want to show the game experience. I know what, he's, what he means yeah, by I mean, like the interaction. He, he but, started to change some, but. You know, his point was he wanted to spend, he loved those January, those, those four weeks in January would bring guys in Yeah. because then as a coaching staff, they had no distractions. Football was done. They could spend all that time focused get on the recruits. Get to know the kid. The kid gets to know the which coaches. Is, which is fine. I mean, I see the point, but here's the kids that have taken visits all throughout, you know, during their bye weeks or on a Saturday morning, get on a plane. Yeah. They've seen all this great atmosphere. They've seen, you know, huge stadiums, cheerleaders. I see you, duh. Yeah, You know, exactly. Pac-12 opponents. Yeah. And so, and I, I see the point, but now by flying, instead of flying a guy on Friday and then having to leave, you know, having the coaching say, hey, players leave, Friday, yeah, here, we'll see you later. Yeah. Now you have them coming in Saturday, so they get to see the whole game experience, but yet you have all day Sunday to sit there with them, with coaches, break down film. And a lot of these kids, Oregon State is not going after the guy that's worried about the uniform. Yeah. Oregon State's going after the guy that wants to sit and film and get better as a player. Mm-hmm. Interesting, you know, I was on with Mike Parker earlier this week and they were talking about the uniform combination this week and they're wearing all orange. But, you know, it, it brought me back to before the big uniform reveal, they were taking the recruits in. They'd have to leave their cell phones outside in the Valley Center and take them in to show them their the <laughs> uniform. The rebeave, yeah. And I believe it was it was Dwayne Williams, but I'm not 100% sure. It was one of the DB's linebackers basically went in, saw him, and then told Coach, Coach Banker, can we just go upstairs and watch film and talk football? I mean, uniforms are fine. That's wow. great. But I want to go talk football. Yeah. So that's what these players want to do. They want to sit in a meeting. They want to see how the coaches react in the locker room at halftime. They want to see what the coaches, how they react to a loss or a win. Mm-hmm. They want to, you know, be around the student athletes and, and go, po- you know. Of course, they always tell me, oh, we just hung out. What'd you do on your visit? Hung out. Yeah, yeah, What does yeah. that mean? Did you go see campus? We hung out and played video games. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure you did. Sure. Wink, wink. <laughs> but um, no, That's they're a having cool philosophy yes. for Anderson, though. Take yes. Sunday, get to know the kids to know a little them. bit, and you still get to give them the game experience. Exactly. I think that's a really no, good I, one. So I like the philosophy. As somebody else asked me if there was anything I would change. I, I like this. I like this move. So like um, the they're, they're also bringing it. in a lot of June, uh, of unofficial visits. This past weekend, a whole group from Northern California that's came good. up. So um, got a couple more questions, though. Okay, I got one real quick. Okay, go for this it. This one from at Stephen C uh, underscore 24. Odds of Sherrod Thompson and Christian Wall signing with the beat. This is kind of your prediction, your bold oh, see, prediction. My bold, I, yeah, it's, it's tough because, you know, they, right now they like Oregon State until they take a couple more trips. I would put Sherrod higher, you know, 75%. Okay. Um, I think he really likes Oregon State. I get the, the sense that he is on top of this and loves everything he's seen. Mm-hmm. Christian Wallace, it's tougher when a guy lives that far away, you know, to 
keep him in the mix, but Oregon State's doing a good job with that. I'd put him kind of still in that 50-50 range just because he has four more visits to take. Okay. Big right. time, big time commit or All recruit. Right. So um, Peter71 asked, with uh, Clarkson playing guard now, is there any thought to making Cammy Delp a defensive tackle? Oh, or is a, that just wishful thinking? Yeah, that's a, I like that idea. I do too. But what do I know? I mean, I've been the, saying that yeah, Storm the, should be a, a slot receiver too. So. <laughs> <laughs> the tough part is thinking, does Sataki think he doesn't have enough depth there? Does he need that help? And is Delp... Can he crack a rotation yeah. again? And see, this is something that's, I see. That, on, that's the tough part of identifying part, something yeah. like that. And, and what I hear on Beaver Blitz all the time is people are like dying for D-tackle. I mean, I see a need for defensive ends for Oregon State, but deep tackles, I'm not quite as on board. I mean, you have Sumner Houston that's starting to play more. Mm-hmm. Kehlani Vakamelalo's yep. playing. I, I don't, he's having a decent he's little having, season. Yeah, and these are young guys. I, yeah. I don't think it's quite this dire need to get a, a big D-tackle in this class as maybe a, a good, strong D-end is, you know, to, to play that. that I think side. that's a good point. I also... Yeah, I don't think I'd want him to switch. Um, you need to continue to have as much depth at offensive line as you can. Yeah, I, I you think, have five guys there. Yeah, I know. I, and I think, if anything, we've learned is like replacing even a guy like Isaac and say what you want about Isaac this season, but you lose a guy who's valuable like that, you suddenly are like, holy crap, that's the difference right there yeah. is if you don't have depth, it really kills you. And I'm kind of with you in the thinking of, I don't, I don't think there's a need for defensive tackles with them. I think there's other areas that they could address easier or quicker or that's more important than defensive tackle to me. I agree. So, I mean, I would rather keep Cammy as a second string right now. Yeah. Offensive lineman. I like the idea, to, but yeah, I'm with you. I think I keep him second string offensive so line. That was a good question. That is a good question. And here's one. O State of Mind 24 said he really viewed this season as a time to implement and experiment with a new system and young players. How good can this team be next year? Um, I want to see how they finish out the conference schedule. Uh, I know we're really high on them right now. We like what we've seen, but I want to see them against Stanford. Stanford's coming in off an emotional win. They may or may not have their starting quarterback. Oregon State, maybe they don't win it, but how close do you play them? How tough do you play them? And I want to see the rest of the conference games before I have a definitive opinion on that. But if I had to take a shot in the dark, and that's what the podcast is for, I think next year they could really sneak up and start being in the holy crap Oregon State is a team nobody wants to face range and get to this year I have them winning three games, three or four. Mm-hmm. I think next year they could be seven or eight, depending on how much, you know, health is a big thing and they're gonna have a ton of experience coming back next year. So I think they're back in that. And then eight recruiting. Range. I mean, they're right now their big thing is impact. And and making an instant impact. They had a hashtag instant impact yep. today that I saw tweeted out showing the true freshmen that are playing. And they're going after some big time recruits mm-hmm. that will be here to, you know, look for jobs. Collins' so. development is huge, but I do think you could be in the eight win range next year. You're in that conversation, which I think if you're an Oregon State fan, you are ecstatic. E- yeah, you're ecstatic for that kind of growth because then it's like, all right, Collins goes into his third year. Where are expectations going there? Is it contending in the North? Can you get to that point? We don't know yet, but if I take a shot in the dark, I think they get there. But again, I want to see how they do against the rest of the conference. So I got one more little recruiting nugget for you. Drop a nugget. Drop, Drop a bomb. a bomb. No, um, so Mason Moran, quarterback commit out of Chandler, Arizona, mm-hmm. having a heck of a year. I mean, the Watched kids, him a little bit on ESPN. Yeah, I watched him against Bishop Gorman, had a decent game. Yeah. He's really been tearing it up, you know, a couple hundred yards running, a couple hundred yards passing each week. 
He also plays with some very talented other prospects. Oh yeah, I like he what I'm hearing. He's already he's he's come out and the guys have confirmed he's bringing up with him. He's visiting for the Colorado game. So we'll have way more on this later. But he's bringing with him his four-star running back Chase Lucas and his five-star wide receiver and Keel Harry. Yes. I honestly can't remember the last time a five-star visited. It might have been Simi Cooley. Jesus, let's not talk about that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, big. No, what, what, okay, big. I know this is really early in the process, and it's hard to tell. You're still a couple weeks out. I mean, what, what, are, what is the five-star kid? What is his list right now? Oh, he's got all the big-time school. So he's, He could make take his pick, but... It's a chance. I mean, it's a, a chance. chance. I, I mean, mean, he's using one of his five official visits to check out Oregon State. Which and should tell a, you a lot. You know, a 6'3", you know, 210 kid, a big yeah. kid. Um, it'll be interesting to see... And and I like what I've been seeing from Moran. I mean, he's very charismatic, good leader, smart kid. It'll be fun to kind of watch this. I can't transpire. believe you just dropped a bomb on ending our damn questions. You just I dropped know. a bomb on it. Bombs. We appreciate Kaboom. that though. That's why we love doing the podcast. That's why you pay me the big bucks. That's exactly why we pay you the big bucks. That's why we're all going broke out here. That's right. Uh, thank you guys, everybody, for your damn questions. It was great to talk some recruiting stuff. It is heating up in the recruiting field. Uh, as Oregon State season continues to roll on, the coach is hitting the trail in between games as well. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk now with uh, Stanford Rivals writer uh, CardinalSportsReport.com at Stanford Rivals is his Twitter handle. Uh, Andy Drukarev he is gonna join us now on the damn podcast. All right, we got Andy Drukarev of Stanford Rivals at Stanford Rivals is his Twitter handle CardinalSportsReport.com. He's joining us now. Uh, on the damn podcast. Big matchup between Stanford and Oregon State this weekend, Andy. What are your thoughts on this matchup uh, on Friday? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's interesting uh, because there's still quite a bit of uncertainty on Stanford's end as it relates to their team, not just the matchup, uh, specifically with quarterback Kevin Hogan, who suffered an ankle sprain against USC. He was able to complete that game, but was held out of practice all week until today, actually where he did participate in, and I guess a limited form, Stanford, you know, like most teams, isn't going to have a ton of stuff going on Thursdays, but they did do a workout. And I guess Hogan was able to do some things, but he's still expected to be a game-time decision tomorrow. On the defensive side of the ball, Stanford lost with nose tackle Harrison Phillips for the year with an ACL in Week 1, and a fifth-year senior outside linebacker Kevin Anderson is also going to be out this week. So I think that's kind of the first thing, at least when I think of Friday's matchup between the two teams, is just the state of Stanford's health and the state of the quarterback position. If Hogan can't go, you'll see probably redshirt freshman Keller Chris, redshirt sophomore Ryan Burns could get a few series as well. Uh, both guys, big, physical, strong arms, and no experience. So it's, it's it, you know, I'm not sure exactly what we'd see out of those guys if Stanford did have to call up on one of its backups. Uh, so a lot of uncertainty on Stanford's end. You know, I, I do think the Cardinal is playing better now than it was in week one, and one could probably make that same argument about Oregon State. Uh, but, but after three weeks of football, I think a lot of times you generally have a bit of a sense for what the team you cover is. And for several reasons, both on the health front and in the inconsistency with which Stanford has played from week to week, I'm not entirely sure. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on Friday. Hey, Andy, it's Angie Machado here. Just wanted to uh, ask a quick question. You know, we're used to seeing Stanford the past several years being so physical and upfront on defense. You know, what are your thoughts on the defense right now? Yeah, it's interesting uh, because Stanford's defensive line from the past few years, I mean, there have been multiple NFL guys 
Henry Anderson, who's a legitimate Rookie of the Year candidate with the Colts. David Perry starting as a rookie with the Colts. Josh Morrow before that, getting major playing time in Arizona. And they don't have those guys anymore. Um, and, and I think that there has, as expected, been a bit of a drop. I think Stanford's defense is still good. It might not have, I mean, several years ago, there were NFL players at essentially every position. I'm not sure it's quite that way now. I'd still say it's an above-average unit. There are some veterans up front. The secondary is inexperienced but talented. And so the question for me on Saturday, given the strength of Oregon State's offense, will Stanford, given its lack of depth in the front seven, be able to stop the Beavers' running game consistently? And I think based on what we've seen in the first few weeks, that's somewhat of a question. Uh, Stanford does have a good defense, like I mentioned, but they don't have a ton of bulk up front. That'll be one thing I will be eager to see on Friday. Well, and you go back to last weekend's game. I think so many people were surprised, Andy, because you're talking about a Stanford team that lost to Northwestern. There might have been a lot of people out there. You can't watch every Pac-12 game, miss Central Florida and Stanford. SC having all this hype coming into the year. Stanford kind of going back in there and just doing traditional Stanford things, punching the Trojans right in the mouth. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, how surprised you were to see that offensive performance? And uh, do you think Stanford's kind of regained what they've been known for in running the ball really well? Scale of 1 to 10, um, I'd say a 6.5 or a 7. <laughs> you know, if you, would, if you would ask me before the season, could Stanford have a big offensive performance against USC? I would have said absolutely. Uh, the team that we thought Stanford was going to be this year was one that possessed numerous offensive weapons, a veteran offensive line, and a fifth-year senior quarterback. It's just that, like you mentioned, they started off this season so poorly at Northwestern, they didn't score a touchdown for the first 85 minutes of the season. I mean, that's the longest they'd gone without scoring a touchdown to open the year since 1989. <laughs> so, I mean, this is not exactly, this is not a normal start to the season, and then for them to explode like they did was a little bit surprising, um, and I do think they kind of got back to what they'd like to be as far as they did win the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line played better than USC's defensive line. They were heavy on tight end production, Austin Hooper, Dalton Schultz, and then they spread the ball out to some weapons on the perimeter as well, and I think that's what Stanford's offense wants to and needs to be this year, a unit that's going to win at the line of scrimmage and has multiple weapons that can hurt defenses, and and that's what we saw last week, and it's definitely not what we saw in the season opener against Northwestern. Andy, just a quick question here for the, the folks in Oregon. I know uh, Joey Alfieri was a big-time player out of Oregon um, Jesuit, out of Portland Jesuit. I've heard you know talk that he could be playing this week. What can you tell us about, about him and his uh, progression? You know, He grew up a huge Oregon State fan, and now he'll be going up against Oregon State this week. Yeah, dad played football there. Mom ran track there, so a lot of family ties to Oregon State for Alfieri. So he redshirted last year and was a guy that the coaches praised for his work, I guess, on scout team and in development and whatnot. And this spring really came on strong and has emerged really as Stanford's third outside linebacker and a guy who's played a lot of snaps uh, relatively in the first few weeks. So this week with Kevin Anderson, one of their starters out, Alfieri likely moves into a starting role. Uh, Stanford likes to rotate three guys at those outside linebacker spots, the three guys for two positions. So he's not going to play every snap, but he's probably going to play more snaps than he sits. Uh, he did record the first sack of his career last week against USC, and I think that Oregon State fans will, will see a guy like they saw in high school 
a good athlete active. They'll use him in a variety of ways, rushing the passer, dropping some in coverage. And yeah, they're, they're going to see a lot of uh, Joey Altieri on Friday. There's been a lot of reports kind of just for us locally. A couple of people I've talked to saying that they're hearing that Kevin Hogan is a good bet to not play uh, on Friday. Of course, we know that he's kind of sitting out. He's got the boot on his foot. Uh, David Shaw's not going to come out and release anything. He said on the coach's call that you're just going to kind of find out on Friday. Where, where, you, where would you gave, gauge Kevin Hogan in terms of his like uh, likelihood of playing against the Beavers? Yeah, so he didn't do anything uh, this week until today. And, you know, per Stanford, for from our friend John Wilner of the San Jose, San Jose Mercury News, you know, it did go reasonably well for Hogan in today's walkthrough, or not today's walkthrough, in today's workout. There wasn't any official media setting following it, so I don't really have much more of an update for you than that. You know, I'm not sure. Before that update, I was kind of leaning against it. I thought it's the sort of thing where adrenaline can do a lot for a football player. And that was, it it wasn't an ACL, it wasn't a ligament, but it was a pretty serious strain. You look at Hogan after the game, during the game, I mean, he was struggling to get around, like you mentioned, in the booth. Uh, so I, you know, I don't have a firm answer for you now, but I guess if I had to guess, I'd say uh, maybe not. But it, I think it really could go either way at this point. Well, how do you think the game's going to play out? I mean, you talk about the defensive front, the push that they may or may not have, the ability to stop the running game, Stanford's offense, uh, Kevin Hogan. We we still don't know, like you just said. Um, but overall, how do you think this game's going to fold out? Is this kind of one of those? Uh, traditional kind of letdown games that a big-time team like Stanford occasionally has where they have a mo- an emotional win over a, 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 a stingy opponent like SC? Or, or do you think this is going to be kind of a uh, a railroading game for Stanford to kind of build some momentum on? It's always a bit tough to know what the psychology of a team is on, every given, on any given week. The one thing I will say as far as a potential letdown goes, a lot of these guys who are going to be playing on Friday know how hard it is to play in Corvallis. Stanford's 2013 team was one of the best in the nation. Rose Bowl team, honestly, a few points away from playing in a national title, and they barely escaped Corvallis. I think it was, what, an an eight-point win, but Oregon State had a chance to potentially score and go for a two-point conversion on one of the final plays. Uh, You know, they, they talk about and they know how hard it is to play up there, and that's something that might be compounded if you do have a first-time starter at quarterback is to where I don't see how there could be a letdown if you have or any sort of overconfidence if you do have that first-time starter. So I, I don't think that will be as much of an issue as, look, Oregon State has not played great this year at times, but they can run the ball. And if Stanford's offense struggles, which is conceivable given the question marks, and Oregon State can string some drives together, Stanford doesn't have much depth up front, and and that could potentially be problematic. So that's kind of where I could potentially see it going south for Stanford. I do think the Cardinal offensive line is playing much better now than it was earlier in the year. I do think there are a lot of weapons for Stanford, and I do think despite some of the question marks on the defensive side of the ball, the Cardinals still does have a lot of talent there. So I think Stanford wins. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like some people might, just looking at the two teams on paper. Uh, but despite the question marks for the Cardinal, I think they, they're able to pull it off, uh, I don't know, a touchdown or two, something along those lines. You can find them on Twitter at Stanford Rivals. You can also go to cardinalsportsreport.com. Andy Drukarev uh, joining us on the damn podcast. Andy, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys.
All right, thanks again to Andy Drukarev at Stanford Rivals. Again, is his Twitter handle, cardinalsportsreport.com. Good to talk to him. Uh, this game, I'm excited for it. A Friday, Friday, 7 o'clock kick now, so thank God it's not 5 because nobody would make yeah. it. Yeah, 7's going to be tough enough. But, yeah, I still um, don't like Friday games, but um, I'm pretty pumped for this one. I, maybe Stanford blows them out. I don't know what the hell is going to happen, but for some reason, I got a lot of excitement for this one. I do, too. I I'm not ready to go spicy bold on my my <laughs> sriracha bold. Did you I'm, learn from that I one did, last I time? I did learn from my sriracha bold prediction that or, that Oregon State was going to beat uh, Michigan. But uh, I, I like Oregon State's defense. I, I think I've made that very clear. And I think they, they show some things. And if, you know, one of my keys to the game is Oregon State not shooting themselves in the foot mm-hmm. and taking advantage of scoring opportunities. So mm-hmm. um, if they can take care of the ball, I mean, stranger things have happened. Um, 9,000 student tickets, I think. That's is what that, I last heard. Is that how many have gone out thus yeah, far? Yeah, it could be uh, rockin' Corvallis. I did, uh, I did on the show, I want to say it was Tuesday, we talked Oregon State in this game, and uh, you know we talked about San Jose State a little bit. I was so disappointed with the turnout at Oregon State, oh my gosh. San Jose State. And Beautiful day. I mean, seriously. There's really no excuse. There's no excuse. Five o'clock Saturday. It wasn't too late. Um, You're home by 11 if you live in Portland. I got it from this guy on Twitter at Chucking Rocks. He pretty much told 1080 the fan to cancel my show, and it's so immature that I'm blaming fans. My point on complaining about attendance is not to point the finger solely on fans. Teams need to win games yes. to turn out. But Oregon State fan has long, and this is just my personal experience, fans in person, fans on social media. Oregon State fan has, pardon my language, bitched a lot about um, not enough attention. Uh it's not getting this. It's not getting that. It's, oh, the program's stale and it's plateaued yeah. with this the guy. The game day atmosphere. They yeah. don't do enough. And I, yeah, I've gotten all these complaints and I get it. I understand it. But you got a new coach. You got a kick-ass staff. Um, they're revamping the stadium. It's underway. At some point, that stadium in the next 10 years is going to be completely a, a circle. It's going to be a bowl. It's going to be really loud in there. Um, new uniforms recruiting has it just there's been a and, lot and of things. players that are great young men they're great kids fantastic yeah. and you've got pretty much everything you wanted including by the way a head coach who left a big 10 potential championship program to come to corvallis something yeah. that most of the media except for angie and i told you was mission impossible be mm-hmm. careful for what you wish for and they got gary anderson the fact that fans don't show up to a game like san jose state this isn't Oregon, Georgia State. This was not a gimme, and you saw that in the first half. You need to show up to these games. I'm tired of hearing people complain about it and then not go. Well, and then you hear the, the complaints of, and I get it, games on TV, you live in Portland, traffic's bad, it's a 7 o'clock game and it's pouring down rain. I get it. It's way easier to sit on your couch and watch it. This was a 5 o'clock game. It was like 75 degrees like the whole night. It, it was, was, no, it was picture perfect. Awesome. I didn't yeah. need a jacket I was in Portland jealous that I was down there. Um, Beautiful night in Corvallis. And then we had fans complaining about the whiteout. After all this talk about, you know, I see Utah. They didn't have yeah. any problems all wearing red. Yeah. I, it, it's an interesting dynamic here. Because it's, I, yeah, I, it's not yeah. us trying to like I point get it. And... I get it. Beaver fan, the program has fallen a lot the past few years. And there's not a lot to be excited about. But yeah, you've gotten everything you've wished for. I just disagree. They've... Your coaching staff is well, now, considered yeah, one of the top. top. Your, your AD, who's out now, has done kind of a lot to to build up things on his way out and say what you want about they the opened hoops up program the true but, wax, you know 
tailgate I, at Truex now. I just, I don't get it. I, I don't want to hear it anymore. It's Go it's, out, support the team. Not everybody's going to be able to afford that. I understand that part. I really do. Uh, and it's easy for me to complain getting a media pass, but I just, I am really tired of hearing the, what Oregon State doesn't get and now everything they do have and there's still 28. They announced 35 was the attendance. It was 28 or less. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw it on TV. You were there in person. Yeah. Uh, I was just extremely disappointed because I don't know what else. Maybe 10 wins. You need 10 wins. Fine. But to me, I just don't want to hear complaints anymore. So I'm hoping fans really turn out for this game. I know Friday's tough for a lot of people, but it's a 7 o'clock kick. Yeah, I mean, Friday's going to be tough. I mean, that's just with visitors, too. It's a tough game. Absolutely. All those high school kids have games. You might have kids yourself. That, I get it. But 9,000 students, that'll be up. huge. That'll be big. Up. That that's what you see on TV, and um, you know, be loud, be be loud and proud, Beaver Nation, because this could be a really fun game. This could be Absolutely. one of those, you know, like remember the Friday night USC game. Yep. And there's been some fun ones down there. Well, and Good you atmosphere. remember, um, you remember the last time Stanford in Corvallis a couple years ago. A lot of people thought, oh, Stanford is Stanford. Oregon State's gonna kind of maybe they upset them, and a lot of people picked Oregon State that week because I believe they had rolled off six straight wins after they lost to Eastern. And then USC came in there and kind of punched in the face, but ultimately the final score was twenty to twelve. Yeah, yeah, that was a that game was they lost by eight. Yeah, and so they were right there. I'll say this for a prediction: uh, if Kevin Hogan's not the quarterback, I'm picking Oregon State to pull the upset. Uh, oh God! Even th- if Kevin Hogan is the quarterback, if he's- yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to pick him if Kevin Hogan is playing. I, I don't think Kevin Hogan's that good. See, I regardless. don't either, but. There was, he's, got, he's, he's weird. He's, yeah, I know. he's, he's the Eli Manning of football. It's like, oh, he's not that great. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, is. He, he just goes three, three yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, I, I actually went the... Uh, I, I don't think it's a blowout. I think I do have Stanford winning by seven. With or without Hogan? Does that matter? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Because I think the defense is going to get after whoever. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the more I hear... I mean, after hearing Andy, there's some question marks there, yep. too. So, I, I'm going to keep it conservative here because we saw what happened when I got crazy. Mm-hmm. We're going to go Stanford by seven. Seven. Okay. Uh, by the way, Vegas thinks this is a blowout. I think it's at 15 right now on Bovada uh, for people who like to lay some money down. I'm going to go, if Kevin Hogan does not play, I take Oregon State by a field goal. Okay. And I'm literally talking 13 to 10 type game. Okay. Uh, ugly game. The number two and number three defense in the Pac-12 right now. If Kevin Hogan does play, Stanford wins by 10 but they push it to 10 real late they hit a field goal to tie you know and kind of put it away with two minutes left. i love you guys guys like have this whole like mental vision of what's going to happen (laughs) late in the game they drive down the field (laughs) and score a field goal well i I just kind of have to pick something out of the air here. we like like to validate our opinions and say oh i can picture that happening got it yeah i just i just pick something i pull it right out of the air and this is what my gut says right this is now. a typical stanford letdown game big emotional win at the coliseum david shaw is all high on his play calling now bragging about it you know what i wanted to ask andy but i didn't this probably wasn't the place but we'll have to do it you know maybe we'll bring him back on in january before mm-hmm. recruiting is ask him about you know he talked about all these nfl players that were harbaugh recruits yeah i mean is, is shaw just not the recruiter that harbaugh was see here's the other thing too because i'm with you is it fair to do that to Shaw if he was on the staff? I always wonder, like, that part of it is yeah. what I lose to of Shaw was there. I mean, yeah, I don't was... know who he got, who he's responsible for, but he was on the staff with Harbaugh. Now, the coaching factor of he's not coaching Harbaugh's guys anymore. It's a yeah. new crop. I think there's some validity to that questioning. I don't know if he'll be there long enough to get fired or anything. I think he's going to the NFL, but I think that's a good point. Like, 
But that's just, you know, what I think about. It kind of makes you wonder. I don't know. All right, but so- I think we've, we've tied up enough of their poor listener ears. <laughs> so Angie has Stanford by seven with or without Hogan. If Kevin Hogan doesn't play, I'm going to take Oregon State in an upset. Typical letdown game emotionally for Stanford. Uh, fired up Beaver team. If Kevin Hogan does play, I have them losing by 10. I just okay. I, I don't like Kevin Hogan either, but I do think he can make plays when he needs to for some reason. Uh, and he's a senior. Like Seniors kind of usually tend to play yeah, they, a little better than true freshmen. So, true. Uh, thank you guys, everybody. Thanks to Scott again yes. for everything. Awesome, Scott. Uh, what, if you need insurance, go to Kaiser. Uh, what's his information again? Santana Insurance Agency. Santana right there Insurance in Kaiser Agency. On Lakeshore Boulevard. There you go. Lakeshore Boulevard, Santana Insurance Agency. I'm sure you can find it online. Thank you, Scott. Really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody that sent damn questions this week and Andy Drukarev. Uh, we appreciate you guys following the new show page, soundcloud.com backslash damn dash podcast. We'll see you guys next week for another edition of the damn podcast. Enjoy the game.